On today's episode of Out of Office Bros, we're talking about our episode one preseason predictions, Broncos versus the Chiefs preview, and our CU Buffs versus Stanford Cardinal preview. This is Out of Office Bros. Let's hit it. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Out of Office Bros. It is your boy D Train along with my co-host, Mr. Scotty L. How are we doing today, pal? We got a short week until more uh, Colorado football. It's a good week. It's a good week. Yeah. I can't complain. A very, very short week for both of our teams. So for those that don't know, uh, the Denver Broncos are taking on the Kansas City Chiefs on Thursday night football. And then the CU Buffs are taking on the Stanford Cardinal on Friday under the lights. Friday night lights, baby. 8 p.m. kickoff in Boulder. God, I, I do not love a Friday night college game, nor do I love an 8 p.m. kickoff. But let's do it. Yeah. yeah. We're rocking. And you wake up on Saturday morning and you're like, wait a minute, I have a whole weekend here. Do I choose to sit around and watch other college football teams or maybe should I spend some time with some loved ones that I've been neglecting uh, this early in the football season? <laughs> I think we both know the answer to that. I'm a degenerate. We, I'm going to be sitting around watching football. We absolutely do. Um, so <laughs> I kind of wanted to I wanted to chat a little bit about uh, since we're, um, you know, six games into the CU buff season and then uh, and then five games into the Broncos season. Now it's uh, it's about the halfway point for CU and then it's about a third of the waypoint for the Broncos. So it's kind of a good uh, place to place to be at right now where we can talk about our preseason predictions and uh, kind of where, where we were sitting, where we kind of thought things were going to be and then, uh, and then how, how things did it have ended up. So uh, I think we should start with the Broncos here. So at, at the end of the, um, at the end of our predictions, you had said that the Broncos were going to end eight and nine. I had said that they were going to end at nine and eight. Um, so far, the Broncos sitting at one and four. Uh, it doesn't look like either of those are going to happen without a miracle. Yeah, boy, we uh, we really overestimated our Broncos predictions, didn't we? We had a, a yeah. little too much faith. Yeah, a little too much I, faith. I I will say that the there are three home games. Sorry, there are two home games that we should have won with the Commanders and the Jets. Those Both of those mm -hmm. games were very, very close uh, and absolutely could have happened. The Raiders, I don't know. The Raiders were kind of in control a little bit in that game. Yeah. Um, I mean, not score-wise. Like, it definitely didn't look at score-wise, but um we had an opportunity to win it at the end couldn't pull it off um mm -hmm. and then and then the miami dolphins i mean they absolutely shit kicked us so we had no shot winning <laughs> that one yeah but there but there's a definite possibility that the broncos could be four and one but instead we're sitting here at one and four yeah i mean at the end of the day like we we could sit here and play the coulda woulda shoulda game all all night long but we didn't we we didn't cross the finish line you got to win the games and they don't ask how they ask how many, particularly when it comes to wins. And, you know, we, we see the opposite with the buffs. So pulling out these tight games versus the Broncos, we choke away these tight games and we don't win them. So I, I think it is time to revisit and I've got the schedule pulled up in front of me. Um, God, man, it's, it's hard to see many more wins coming down the, down the stretch here. 
we, oh, we have a really me. tough I, schedule. I was incorrect. It was it's it was three home games. I I should have trusted yeah. my gut there. Yeah, we were at home when we played the Raiders for the opening night or for the opening game. So I mean, three winnable home games right there. Hundred percent. We lost the first the two by easy. we we lost the first two by a combined three points. Yeah, like we didn't necessarily. It, it wasn't the Dolphins game. I don't think we'll. I hope in our lifetime we don't see another game like the Dolphins game. But at the end of the day, once again, like you had three opponents that you should beat come into Mile High, which is not an easy place to play. And we we didn't take care of business. Like mm-hmm. and we had different issues in each game, right? You know, the the Raiders game, it was the offense was the issue. The Commanders game, defense was clearly the issue. Jets game felt like everything was just an issue. Like it's just so hard to predict what is going to happen with these Bronco teams, except for the fact that we're probably going to lose. That's kind of where my head is going into on, on Sundays now. And for this week, Thursday, I I don't see this being a close game against Kansas city by any stretch of the imagination, even if Kelsey doesn't play and he's questionable right now. I I just, (laughs) it's, it's ugly. Yeah. It's an ugly, ugly year. In in when it comes to the NFL, you have to win your home games. Mm-hmm. You're you're on the outside looking in if you lose at home, no matter what. Um, and the fact that we that we've dropped three this early in the season is just it's a true bummer. Um, I think when uh, I tried to listen all the way back through our first episodes, and um, we had us uh, at this point at or I had us at four and one. I think you had us at three and two because yep. you had said that we were going to lose to the jets, but that was also at the time that we thought Aaron Rodgers was going to be their quarterback. Yeah. I don't think either of us thought Zach Wilson would be under center for the jets at right. this point. And right. That's a justifiable loss with Aaron Rodgers under, under center. It's sure. a lot if harder Aaron, pill to swallow. Yeah. If Aaron had been quarterback and we lost 31 to 21, I'd be like, okay, we lost to a superior quarterback and a superior team. Yeah, honestly, like that that one was a scheduled loss right out of the gate. And mm-hmm. obviously things change. People get injured. It's it's hard to just sit here. Like I said earlier, it's hard to sit here and see many more wins, even on the home slate this year. Like, okay, we got Green Bay at home. They're better than expected. Kansas City at home. That's going to be an L. Um, Minnesota at home. Kirk's playing good football again. Cleveland at home, that's that might be a toss-up at that point in the year. Um, then we have New England on Christmas Eve. I, I think that could be a win. And we close out our home season on New Year's Eve with uh, the Los Angeles Chargers. And I, I think that'll probably be an L unless they've already secured a playoff spot. And they're resting a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. like which It's very possible to see maybe two wins at mile high this year. Yeah. And it's, yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, I'm only going to one more game uh, this year and I'm going to the Packers game. Um, So yeah, I just, I really don't see how I kind of looking at the rest of the schedule. I mean, a lot of these teams that we didn't think were going to be playing all that great, like the uh, Detroit lions, uh, Houston Texans, um, like just there are a couple of surprising ones. Say the Green Bay Packers are one of them. A couple of surprising teams that I don't think we can beat 
at this point no. where at the beginning of the year I was I was chalking him up as wins. Yeah, I mean it's just amazing how quickly our opinion changed. And I think for both of us, it probably changed week two where we were like, I'm not sure. Oh, and then I'm so week... mad after that commander's game. Oh, it was fucking atrocious to watch. And then, you know, we roll into Miami and just get absolutely, I mean, we got punched in the dick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's all you can really say. And I, I mean, it's become so clear and we're going to continue to say this on this pod that you just have to burn it down. Yeah. Like I I've seen rumblings, you know, we all get the bleacher report updates on our phones of like, Oh, we're shopping Jerry Judy. We're shopping Cortland Sutton. Good, good. That needs to happen. And in our, in our group chat today, you know, one of our, actually it was Ethan brought up, maybe we should trade Russ, but we can't. Because which I, which I replied. <laughs> yeah, like the fact of the matter is, is a we're not going to get much from him because that cap hit is absurdly high. Yeah. B, like that that signals to everybody that we're officially giving up, which is mm-hmm. fine if you want to signal that. We've seen teams do that before. I'm not sure how Broncos country would take that. Yeah, I'm not. And as a Broncos fan, I'm not sure how I'd react. Like, I'm a proponent for burning everything down and, you know, starting from scratch, getting rid of George Payton. I think he's got to go at the end of this year. I don't think there's any reason that he should keep his job. Yeah, unless we have a miraculous turnaround here, I don't know how he does either. No, I mean, let's think about this for a second, because I saw this stat earlier today when I was doing some research for the pod, and it really just kind of put everything into perspective for me, which is what we spent to get both Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. And those were George Patton moves, George Mm -hmm. Payton moves. We spent three first round picks. We spent three second round picks. We spent a fifth round pick for Russ. He's got five years at $245 million. And then for Sean Payton, Five years at an estimated $85 million. Well, and they're not allowed to disclose coaches' salaries, right? So no, that's, that's an that's estimation. It's an estimation, yeah. Yeah, so, you know, you're sitting here and you're seeing that. And our, our friend Batemo provided us with a very interesting statistic about our offensive line. Um, after, after we got last off, pod. After we got, yeah, yeah, after we got off the pod, yep. Yeah, we're... We are spending just under what the Philadelphia Eagles are spending on on their offensive line, and they have an elite offensive line. Number and one in actually, the league. Yeah, and then we're spending more than the Dallas Cowboys, mm-hmm. which say what you will about the Cowboys, they're, they're not going to get over the hump. They don't have the quarterback to get them over the hump or the defense. But their offensive line for the last eight years has been unbelievable. If not more. Yeah. So we're spending more for worse play. Mm-hmm. And that is George Payton once again. Like he he has to go. I don't know how anyone in Broncos country can sit here and say, give him another year because what has he done to earn another year? How many playoff appearances do we have in his tenure? How many divisional titles do we have in his tenure? Like we we can't keep allowing this man. Yeah, no, there definitely needs to be some change, um, definitely change at the top. And it, it is going to start with George Payton, you know, 
thought it was a great hire at the time. I mean, he had a lot of success up in Minnesota. They were just coming off of that Minneapolis miracle year. Um, and you know, I thought that he had built a great roster up there helped, I should say helped build a great roster up there. Cause he was an assistant yeah. GM. Um, but yeah, it just ha- it definitely hasn't worked out. Well, let's, uh, let's switch up into some greener pastures here, um, and talk about the CU buffs and what our preseason predictions are. Yes. We're, we're money, baby. We are, uh, we are we're on, on the money. We're on it. Were you we at we, Sharp? We said that we were going to be four and two heading into the Stanford Cardinal game, and we were going to head into our bye week at five and two. Calling it, calling it right now. We're going to beat the Cardinal. Um, we'll yeah. dive into that in a little bit when we do our buffs preview. But we called it at five and two, uh, or four and two. Let's just say what it is, um, and that included beating the national championship runner-up TCU Horn Frogs. Yeah, I mean, we maybe that was just some early season excitement because we were both very, very high on all the hype coming out around the Colorado Buffaloes earlier this year before a ball was ever kicked off. But a lot of that had the belief in coach prime and mm-hmm. what he could do. And every step of the way he has confirmed that belief to be true, which is as a boss fan, an amazing feeling because we have, I, I personally have always fallen into the off-season Kool-Aid drinking of we're going to be better this year. We're going to be better. And the only time it really felt like we were better was 2016, the year of the rise. This just has a different aura about it, man. It, yeah. Like you get online and you get on the socials and you just see everything's Colorado. You've got a movement happening around the buffs right now. And it all is because we are performing on the field. Let's yeah. not be mistaken. If this team is two and four versus four and two right now, that hype's gone. The magic's gone. The mystique is gone. Mm-hmm. You don't have NFL, NBA guys doing the Shador. You don't have, you know, ESPN game day. You don't have big noon kickoff multiple times. You don't have this. Well, and, and it's insane. It all, it all started with that first win. When we beat TCU, like, yes, there was a lot of hype. Like, obviously, they were highlighting on Dion, highlighting on Travis, but none of those other games were scheduled to come to Boulder. None of the big noon kickoffs, none of the none of the game days like that was not in the in their in their game plan to come to Boulder. But because of that huge win that we got in week one and then obviously leading up into those two big rivalry games they want everybody wanted to hop aboard they want to be yeah. a part of this it uh the cu buffs uh football team instagram just hit a million followers which the only yeah. two teams that have more than that are ohio state and alabama yeah and i think you and i were probably uh, on the followers when they had like two hundred thousand. so something like we that were, <laughs> we were early on and you know it it just goes to prove why we were so bullish on the buffs this year entering the year we've seen it on the field right we've seen when you and i were previewing this season we talked about two and shador in particular about how this is arguably the best quarterback we've seen in boulder in a very long time potentially since cordell and cordell was an amazing quarterback at the university of colorado he's probably as good if not already better than joel clatt or, you know, Coy Detmer. So mm-hmm. those are two feathers in the cap right there. And, you know, he he rolls out. He never seems flustered. He doesn't seem like the moment's too big. We've seen game-winning drives out of him. 
But then we didn't accurately project, I think, even enough the rest of the influx of talent to this roster. I mean, every week it seems like there's a new receiver that's going to make that play that gets us over the top. You know, we've had Dylan Edwards and Travis Hunter week one on the offensive side. Then we had Zay Weaver's coming out party. Jimmy Horn has done it. You know, then we had a Morion. <laughs> then we had Giovanna Antonio. We can keep going down this list, and I'm curious to see who it's going to be this week. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thank God this week, which we'll get into in a little bit, but 12 is back. Travis mm-hmm. Hunter's back in the lineup is what it's looking like. And this is just a great influx of talent into Boulder. And the scariest part for the rest of the country right now should be we haven't even seen the talent that is about to enter the University of Colorado. Yeah. Like, yes, we're still going to have Travis. We're still going to have Shador. And it's going to be hard to, to replace those two when they eventually go to the league. But, man, I, I don't think it's going to be as hard to replace a Jimmy Horn. And he's a really good player. But I don't think it's going to be as hard to get even better with some of the kids that he's been bringing on visits. Yeah. And it, it's going to be easy to upgrade our offensive line because they're they're not very good. Or at right. least they're not playing as a cohesive unit. So, it's about to get better and the nation should be put on notice. And for anyone sitting here saying like, Oh, coach prime's going to bounce after the season. No, he's fucking not like Travis can't transfer again. Shador can't transfer again. They've got to go to the league if anything, but Travis can't even, he's not draft eligible yet. So yeah. we got prime for at least one more year and I don't yeah. see him leaving anytime soon. No, and it's like especially with the switch up in conferences, um, you said it with the influx of talent coming in. I mean, these kids are seeing CU uh, being uh, having like having all this exposure, and so and they they look at that, they see them on TV, and they go, "Am I going to be able to get that type of exposure for another school, or am I going to get more if I go to CU?" Uh, especially, yeah. especially with it flipping into uh, with us going to the Big Twelve, where more. Um, where more eyes are going to be on those games than there are on the Pac-12 because Dion said it today um, when he was on on uh, Mark Johnson's radio show um, talking about uh, the um, about about the change in conferences, but they where it really started was they were talking about the late kickoffs that the Pac-12 has, and the, Dion was like, "Thank God we're not going to be in this conference. Who yes. is even watching these games?" Yes, I mean here's. Here's the facts. We've still been able to pull unbelievable viewership numbers. We are the number one most watched college team in the N- in the NCAA. It's insane. The next thing on that is it just came out today. New NIL valuations. Oh yeah. Number one, Shador Sanders valued at four point nine million dollars. Well, and that's another reason why he may stay is is that he could pretend he's going to be making more money as a senior because he'll probably like this this is without a watch deal yet that 4.9 million dollars is without a watch deal yet which is definitely going to happen and i'm oh, assuming yeah. it's going to be rolex um oh that, God, so that are going to that are going to you know pay him money to show off their brand and um it's just he could be making more money here than he would be if he got drafted in the first round of the nfl draft because of the rookie wage scale um, right so why not stay one more year, make that bag, and then go and get drafted 
because you kind of because you have to because you have, you have to graduate. <laughs> yeah, and I mean the interesting part about the NIL factor in this is CU is doing it the way that it seems like it was intended to be, where it's your platform and it's your performance that land you these deals, and it's not you know, the Texas A&M route of we're going to go drop a bag on an 18 year old kid or the USC route of we're going to go drop the bag for an 18 year old and, you know, hope they perform. So I'm really curious to see how these high level recruits, because that's what we're going after. I mean, we're not going after the middle of the road, three stars anymore. We're not going after these guys that only have like two power five options and then a bunch of G five offers. We're going after the big boys that are, you know, Clemson, Alabama, Georgia, and we're actually winning some of these battles, which is unbelievable. Yeah. But can we sustain that and, you know, fight the NIL in the pay for play side of it versus the way it was intended, which is more where Colorado is kind of landing, which is great. I know there are a couple of collectives that the university has, whether that's Bus for Life, and then a new one just came out. I believe it's called 5430. Um, that collective in particular is just designated towards the football team. Um, it was started by an alumni, and I, I don't know all the intricacies of it, but we are trying to step up the game in that regard. Even then, it's not get, we, we don't have Uncle Phil. We don't have Phil Knight as a donor. We don't have rich oil money. Like I, I think one of our richest alumni is the founder of Crocs, for God's sake. So yeah. let, let's pump the brakes on thinking that we're going to be able to drop bags. And that's the funniest part to me is when we get a commit, like someone's like, Oh, Dion dropped the bag. No, we didn't. Dion has come out numerous times and talked about how he doesn't want them focused on the college bag. He wants them focused on the NFL bag. Yeah. It's NFL, not NIL is how he puts it. So I, I'm, I'm just so bullish on these buffs because they've given me every reason to be. I, yeah. For a long time, I have never felt this confident, like walking into a game, particularly against Stanford, that plays that hard-nosed style of football. Obviously, they've had their issues in the in the recent years, but I've never felt confident that week over week, walking into a game, we have a legitimate shot to win. And we've proven that every week, except for Oregon week this year, is that, hey, we, we're going to be in this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely dive into the buffs uh, when we're doing the preview a little bit because I do have some thoughts on that as well. Um, but let's uh, let's kind of switch gears here and let's uh, let's talk about the upcoming games we have. So uh, when we release this, the Denver Broncos are going to be playing today um, <laughs> and uh, going to be playing on the NFL Network Thursday Night Football, or if you can find it on Prime. Um, couple of quick notes on on the Broncos playing the Chiefs here. So the one of four Broncos are riddled with trade rumors. Uh, you said it earlier, talking about shipping out Jerry Judy, shipping out Cortland Sutton, uh, are traveling to Arrowhead to take on 4-1 division rival Kansas City Chiefs, where the Chiefs are on a 15-game winning streak against the Broncos. Oh, God. Do you happen to remember the last time we did we beat the Kansas City Chiefs? It's probably with Peyton under center. It was. So that was I called that year the team of destiny because there were some things that happened that season where we would just somehow win football games. We weren't blowing anybody out of the water like we were in 2013. Um, we weren't, you know, running up the scores on anybody. We were just winning football games. 
Um, so a couple of quick notes here. So the that game uh, was also a Thursday night game at Arrowhead. Uh, the Bronco and the Broncos, the way that they won that game is, is they scored two touchdowns nine seconds apart from each other. Mm. Peyton Manning threw a touchdown pass to Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, Brandon McManus kicked an extra point field goal to tie it 24 to 24. And then on the Chiefs opening play from scrimmage, uh, Brandon Marshall, the linebacker Brandon Marshall for the Broncos, uh, punched the ball out of Jamal Charles's hands. And then Bradley Roby scooped it up and took it in for a score. Um, again, magic, destiny, fixing games, scripts, whatever you want to call it. Um, <laughs> it's just, it's how we won that ball game, 31 to 24. But yeah, it seems like so long ago. I mean, that was eight years, but it seems like a lot longer than it is because you have to think about how dominant that the Chiefs have been since then. Seven division championships in a row three Super Bowl appearances and two Super Bowl victories. It's what we used to be, right? Like right. that that is just absurd to even think about. And you know, you kind of running down what those final two touchdowns got us to the win. You know, for our for our listeners out there, D Train and myself are both big Blink 182 fans. It, it kind of felt like watching the one more time music video that just came out oh, where you're like walking through the history of Blink 182's music <laughs> videos. That was the football version of that, of like, oh, Peyton Manning. Oh, Emmanuel Sanders. Brandon Marshall, a linebacker. F- fuck, I even look back at Bradley Roby in a positive light now. God, how things have changed. Yeah. But I mean, it just goes to show it. And I, I think I sent you this graphic a little bit earlier about the Chiefs' dominance in this division. So someone took the time. Uh, his name is Jay Kuda. I don't know how I found this. Um, but he basically took the NFL team's records in their last 162 regular season games, and he laid it out like the MLB standings. Oh, yeah. Looking at the AFC West, so the Broncos division here, the Kansas City Chiefs are the only team with a winning record over the last 162 games in the division. <laughs> and here's their win and loss total. They have won 116 games, lost 46 for a winning percentage of of 71.6%. Wow. That is good for the best in the NFL for their division. They're by far and away the most dominant team. The next closest to them is going to be the New England Patriots, because you catch the tail end of Tom Brady, at a 67.3 winning percentage. So that is a substantial margin of wins. Wow. The next, So second in the division over that same time frame is our Denver Broncos uh, by one game, I should mention. We're one we game in, above 500. Or we're one game one, above the Chargers. Above the Chargers. Okay. Now, gotcha. we're, we are four games below 500. <sighs> we are at 79 and 83 for a win percentage of 48.8%. Then the the Los Angeles Chargers are 78 and 84 for 48.1. And bringing up the tail end of our division, this should shock nobody, are the Las Vegas Raiders at 67 and 95 for 41.4%. I mean, Overall, that's what we have the deepest division outside of the South, NFC South, and the NFC West. 
that's over 10 seasons, 162 games. I mean, because most of those seasons were 16 games and then only the last two have been 17. So we'll just call it 10 seasons. Mm -hmm. Oh my God. Over the last 10 seasons, we were a sub 500 team. And keep in mind the first three years of those were Peyton Manning. If we do the math. Right. And that was when we had, Let's see in the, in his final three years, let's call it. Cause we're just, I don't know exactly when he extrapolated this data, but let's call it Peyton's final three years. We went to two Super Bowls and we won one. Yeah. And then after that clearly is just dog shit. Yeah. Well, I mean this 2015 season, the year that we won the Super Bowl, we were 14, we were like 13 or, and three, right? Uh, 12 and four, excuse me. 12 and four. And then the year that we lost the Super Bowl to the Seahawks, we were like 13 and three. Right, right. Or 14 and two. Yeah. So let's, and even the middle year where we didn't have the Super Bowl appearance, we still were like 12 and four. Well, and this go like, here's what, here's what I'm talking about when it comes to like winning at home and why you have to win at home is and and winning these ugly ones, like winning these really ugly close ones. We beat the Baltimore Ravens 19 to 13 at home. Then the Minnesota Vikings 23 to 20. Then uh, Packers 29 to 10. Um, Patriots 30 to 24. We had a loss at home, two losses at home, both to the Chiefs and the Raiders. And then we closed out the season with two close games, 20 to 17 against the Bengals and then 27 to 20 against the Chargers. Like those are all ugly wins. And granted that year was the year that our defense was so dominant that, that it was a historic defense. I mean, ever like people talk about it. Top three historic. defense all time. Yeah. All time. Um, so that's why we were winning those ugly games, but our offense was doing enough to, to mm-hmm. get us those wins and, or have Bradley Roby go in for a scoop and score. Like it's, it's just those types of things have to happen in order for your team to win in this league. Yeah. And let's be real here. Peyton was not the same Peyton Manning that we knew. No. That final year. No. He was, he barely played an average quarterback. Yeah. He barely, he, I he, mean, Brock Osweiler got what? Six starts that year. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. It, it, it's absurd. Just to see the Chiefs' dominance and to bring it back to this week's game, it's going to be ugly, Broncos fans. I oh, that's what it was. Remember, Brock Osweiler was playing actually pretty good, and then we it was that week 17 game or the last week of the season. Against the Patriots. Against, no, against the Chargers. And, oh, the Chargers. We, were, and we were losing 20-0, to right? Um, yep. And then Peyton came in. At halftime, and, and, we, and, we ended, and we won us the game, and yeah. went down. We got and we scored on. I'm pretty sure we scored on every single offensive possession, three touchdowns and two field goals. Yep, I will always remember Brock with a win against New England. The snow falling down. That was when I was working for the Broncos. Yeah, and I was overtime. down on the side. I was down on the sideline during that overtime, and just seeing C.J. Anderson hit the hole and take it like. 55 yards to the crib to win and seal it. It was an incredible feeling, but I remember watching that game at my buddy Joe's house and he had gone to the bathroom 
and then came out to all of us screaming and yelling and he like was halfway putting his pants on running to the tv <laughs> well there's the problem maybe joe just needs to sit in the bathroom for every uh for every, every broncos, broncos game. game yeah there that, you go that could work maybe this is all joe's <laughs> fault but to bring it He'd back to, to this week's game it's going to be ugly i don't see us winning this um i gotta take a look at what the line would be i think it was a pretty aggressive line for the nfl yeah it's a 10 and a half um favoring the chiefs and the over-under is 47. It, it's not looking great, guys. Um, let, let's just call it what it is. The Broncos are 0-4-1 against the spread this year. Chiefs are 3-2. and um, They didn't cover against the New York Jets most recently, I can tell you that. Or last week against the Vikings? No. Who did they play last week? Was it Minnesota? I don't know. I don't keep up with the Chiefs. Yeah, I know. But, like... Travis Kelsey is questionable. I don't think even if he's out that that makes that big of a difference. I I could see the line dropping a little bit with Travis with uh, Travis Kelsey being out. Yeah, but even then, if the line drops, I don't see us covering. And depending on what it drops to, um, I, I think that the Chiefs just have too many weapons. Mahomes is going to be able to expose this defense like like it's no one's business. I don't think it's going to be a repeat of the Dolphins game. God, I hope not because Andy Reid will go for it and get the record as he should if he's in that position. I'm a firm believer in that. I I just – I could see the Chiefs putting up 47 by themselves this week, to be perfectly honest. Here's the tough part for me is is that the reason that we've lost these games is is the running game. Um, and mm-hmm. that that of our uh, defense's inability to stop the running game is more of yeah. what it is. Um, and and the Chiefs aren't what I would consider a strong running team. Um, no. I mean they have they have a couple of guys back there, but it's it's mostly Patrick Mahomes slinging the ball all over the field, which is the only the only reason that I am thinking this game might be a little bit closer than people are thinking that it's going to be. Um, I honestly would take the Broncos to maybe cover at 10 and a half. Yeah. I mean, you can, like I could say, I could see us losing by six, seven, something like that, but I don't think it's going to be more than 10. It's always a weird one when we played the chiefs granted. Like I still remember when Trevor Simeon drove us down the field and we had that, chance for a game-winning field goal that got blocked uh-huh um you know it, it is always weird and it's a divisional game so i can see your side and you you always have just been a little bit more optimistic i guess i'm yeah, a homer man. on the broncos than i have <laughs> i i love the broncos but i tend to we we flip in terms of who's going to be harder you're usually a little harder on the buffs i'm yeah. usually a little harder on the broncos I don't see us covering. I think that that spread's actually going to be pretty damn good. I could see the Chiefs winning by 13. Okay. Um, so it's really, really close in terms of the spread, not in terms mm-hmm. of the game. Um, I, I think Mahomes is going to have himself a game, and he's he's not been great this year. He's yeah. actually, like I've said, statistically, he's very comparable to Russ. He's still Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. Like, he's still Patrick Mahomes. So, and we don't have a good corner, too. We don't. Our our safeties. What the fuck has happened to Justin Simmons? No, I, I don't yeah. know how we haven't talked it's about that. Be, it's got to be scheme. 
It has to be because the, we're talking about a guy that was an all pro safety, one of the best in the league. And suddenly he's just a ghost. Mm-hmm. Like that's gotta be scheming. Do you, uh, or, I, I, I don't know. Do you think that he's on ayahuasca? <laughs> do you think that we haven't made any moves because it was a short week this week, but do you expect a lot of things to kind of come to fruition starting uh, Monday of next week? where we start moving some players around. I can see Monday of next week that we start making some trades. Um, I think the ideal week is going to be week nine. Um, Yeah. You know, that's our bye week. I could see BJ being gone at the bye because I think Kansas city is going to light us up. I think we'll, we'll probably lose to the Packers at home. Um, Here's the tough part though, is that the trade deadline is October 31st. So yeah. it kind of has to happen before week nine. Yeah. But it, but it's so, a good, it's a good, it's a good uh, point to do it though, because you're at home against the chiefs again. Uh, so you can yeah. get some of those players, some playing time. If, the, if, if there are going to be new players coming in, I mean, I'm saying, yeah. I'm saying trade for draft capital, but if there are new players that come in, they, they get that in game experience at mile high. And then, and then we go into the bye week. Yeah. Yeah, I could definitely see it. Um, yeah, you're right on the deadline. So the bye week wouldn't work. Um, and then it gives the whoever, if we bring in some new players, which I, I'm i in agreement with you, let's just get draft capital. Yeah. But if we do happen to bring in some new players, that gives them a week of practice to get up to speed at least, only for us to go to Buffalo on that Monday night. And, right. And uh, Josh Allen looks pretty damn good again. So yeah. it's... I think we just got to start moving players and getting what we can for them. Um, You know, it's going to be interesting to see if these GMs across the league start taking advantage because they know they're just, they're picking around a corpse and they can be vultures and offer us something low and it's probably going to happen. Yeah. Like, I mean, a lot of, a lot of it is getting rid of uh, some of those big contracts though, too. Um, Cortland. Yeah. To make some room for um, free agency next year with potentially a new GM. Yeah, and I think, you know, there are some players that we can get some some decent returns on. I, I think Jerry Judy would probably be one. While he hasn't performed here in Denver, he was a high draft pick. He's still cost-controlled because he's still on that rookie deal. Um, you know, someone's going to fall in love with him because, I, I mean, he's got clean routes. He's got hands. He's got the pedigree from Alabama. Does he have hands? For some reason. Uh, maybe not in Denver. I don't know what <laughs> happened. Like, he was nasty at Alabama. I know. And, you know, maybe someone falls in love with him and gives us a decent return. Cortland Sutton, I think we just got to get what we can and cut bait and run. We're going to have to take a dead cap it like we did with Randy Gregory. Um, I, I don't know. Like, do you trade Sertan and officially call it a rebuild? I, I, I think that would piss Sean Payton off. Yeah, I read earlier that it's a non-negotiable. We're absolutely not trading PS2. Okay. Do you trade Justin Simmons? Do you trade Alex Singleton? Do you trade Josie Jewell? Like, who do you move? I think that needs to be the bigger conversation at this point versus anything else. And what teams are buyers that feel like that they can, that they are going to make a run and need some veteran help on either side of the ball? Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, as you get to week nine, that's where you start clearing out some of the coaching staff in my eyes. Yeah. Like that's where Sean Payton can start making his move. If he shows that he wants to be here, that's going to be the big week for me. 
Yeah. That's going to be I mean, very you have, telling. You have a full two weeks until your next game since we, since we play that Monday night after the bye. Yeah. Like, or, or do you hold on to BJ until we get through Buffalo and Minnesota and then clear, start clearing people out of Cleveland and then, you know, just call it what it is for the end of the year with get Houston and LA. Just right? Get through the rest of the year. Yeah. 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 Just limp to the fucking finish line at that point because that's what it's going to be, folks. It's going to yeah. be a limp. I mean, yeah. I, I, I said it earlier in our, in our NFL predictions for the year about the Detroit Lions. I thought they were going to win the NFC North. They're sitting in phenomenal position to do so this year because you have the ultimate football guy as your head coach, Dan Campbell, who. <laughs> God, I love that man. Yeah. How could how could you not love Dan how can, Campbell? How can you not? How can you not? Like, what a great guy. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, at the beginning of the season, we both picked this as a loss. So I say, I say, we move on and let's get into let's let's just get closer to the buy. Let's start sh- sh- trading off some players and we'll go from there. Um, yep. All right. Well, let's head uh, to Boulder, Colorado. Our fr- under the lights on Friday night. Uh, CU Buffs are taking on the Stanford Cardinal. CU Buffs sitting at four and two, still eighth in the Pac-12, uh, technically. Um, and then the Stanford Cardinal at one and four, eleventh uh, in the Pac-12. Um, looking at kind of the season stats, we should absolutely mop the floor with these guys mm-hmm. but here's something that i have uh, kind of been talking about with you know people in the office talk to my uh, my stepdad about this the cu buffs outside of the oregon game so take take the oregon game and throw that away mm-hmm. they kind of play to the level of their competition yeah yeah i think a lot of these guys are learning to win and yeah. how to win at this point. They're they're one of those teams that just kind of does has some gritty wins, but the um the proof for me was in the CSU game. Mm-hmm. And then that only extrapolated with the USC and the ASU games because those in terms of talent level were like this but those games, those scores were, we we were in both of those games, and you know came out one and one. Um, yeah. So yeah, t- I mean, take take away the Oregon game, I think that this Colorado Buffaloes team really, really plays to the level of their competition. That's the only thing that worries me here. Yeah, that, and that's very fair. Um, I think that one thing we have going for us is we're getting some more players back this week. We talked about Travis Hunter that in itself changes the game, which I, cause you're getting a number one. Do it this. I said, I said he should come back. This yes. Week. Yes. And he absolutely should, because theoretically this should be a pretty light week for him in, in terms of the competition. You know, you're not playing SC, you're not playing Oregon. Like you're playing Stanford. Stanford has its own set of challenges to be fair to fair to them. They have unbelievable admission standards that, you know, one interesting part about Stanford athletics is even if you are a four-star athlete and you're applying, they're not necessarily dropping their admission standards for you like other places do. You still mm-hmm. have to get into Stanford as a university. So you're not only trying to find these really talented kids, you're trying to find these really talented kids that are also really intelligent and can qualify academically for Stanford. So I, I don't want to shit on Stanford too much because they have their own unique set of challenges that they have to face. Um, 
that being said, this is a game that we should cruise to a victory and hopefully see Ryan Staub, our second string quarterback, get in at some point versus Shador going all four quarters. Yeah. Um, you know, Stanford, they surprised me week one, got a win at Hawaii, actually looked pretty decent doing so. I think we may have overestimated Hawaii a little bit. And, you know, playing on the island's a tough place, but Stanford went in there, handled business. Then they came back to the States. They went down to LA and they lost 56 to 10 to the USC Trojans. Then they returned back to the farm where they had a, a, what should have been a win. Um, and this I mean, one is going to haunt Buff fans. This one's yeah. going to haunt Buff fans. My <laughs> freshman year, we lost to the same team. Um, Sac State, Troy Taylor's now head coach of Sanford's former team. Uh, they rolled into the farm in Palo Alto and won that game 30-23. to 23. So they yeah. lost to FCS, who plays in the same division as the UNC Bears up in Greeley Go Bears. They lost 30 to 23. Um, They lost a nail biter to Arizona, 21 to 20. Arizona is another weird team that any given week they could surprise somebody, but other weeks they're just dog shit. And then they got curbs on by Oregon, just like us with the same final score of 42 to six. Yeah. I just, it was the exact same final score that we had against Oregon as well. Yeah. Maybe Dan Lanning just has a hard on for that score. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Um, Yeah. You know, my biggest concern is for the Buffs, the, my key to the game this week is just start fast. Yeah. Don't come out and have another slow start. I think talent-wise, you know, Stanford is better or is worse than ASU talent-wise. They're clearly worse than USC and Oregon because most teams in the pack are. They're better than CSU. They're probably about equivalent with Nebraska. Um, so we should pretty handily win this game. I am going to call Buffs a Buffs win. 11 and a half is a very that's, scary line for me. That's such a, that's so scary. Like the only game we've won by that kind of margin is the Nebraska game. So I, I'm not sure I want to touch that. I, I love CU Moneyline, obviously for this game. Yeah. And I actually like the over, um, in this game, it's going to be close. It's a is 60 it right now. Yeah, 16 and a half. Yeah. Yeah. So that's really close. Um, the story of the game, though, is, like I said earlier, getting players back. We're getting Hunter. Um, supposedly, Demoy Kennedy, who was a transfer in from Alabama as a linebacker, is finally fully go in practice. He had some injuries that he had to take care of, and he's been playing a little special teams. But just today, Coach Hart, our linebacker's coach, um, he had his media availability and said, expect to see a healthy dose of him. So our linebacking core just got a little bit more athletic, a little bit quicker, which should hopefully help with those crossing routes that seem to just tear us apart. And Coach Prime earlier this week said you were going to see a healthy dose of Alton McCaskill, who I have been talking about for weeks at nauseum, which hopefully should help the run game because he is a bigger back. He does have elite breakaway speed, so it's almost – it's almost a mix of Alton McC- of uh, Anthony Hankerson and Dylan Edwards, but if you made them like six foot, so yeah, yeah, that could be helpful. Okay, I mean, yeah, that's definitely where our offense has been lacking is establishing a good running game. I mean, we're only averaging seventy nine yards per game on the ground, mm-hmm. um, and that that's also a little. That's also Stanford's uh, strength. 
they looking at the games that they were hanging in there and were um but I'm gonna say the the U of A game, the Sac State game, and the uh, Hawaii game. They established a ground game, and they yep. and they stuck to it, uh, kind of regardless of situations. So they, you know, I I think that this is gonna be a kind of a control the clock sort of game, and we have to have to have to establish a ground game if we're going to beat a team that likes to play that type of football. Yeah, and. You know, they they run a pretty basic offense, all things considered. I mean, like you said, they like to establish the run game. They run that power um, kind of run. They have they do it more by committee. Their leading back actually I mean, dude, has they're less yards doubling, than ours. They're almost doubling our rushing yards per game. Yeah, they're, they're a much better rushing team than we are. Yeah. And Stanford always has good all-lines. I mean, always. So that's not surprising. Yeah. Um, Honestly, what scares me the most about this matchup is actually the tight end, Ben Yurasek. Um, that kid can play. He's got 15 catches, 227 yards in a tutty this year. And a lot of that has come with a backup quarterback. Um, Ashton Daniels, their starter, is back this week. He has uh, 561 yards passing, three touchdowns, two interceptions. So it's not like he's lighting the world on fire. Shador is clearly an upgrade over him. Um, but as we've come to see, like, Teams bring their their best against us because we do have a target on our back this year because we yeah. are the most nationally watched and most nationally intriguing team of the college football season. So, and maybe it, and it's maybe, gonna be fun. Maybe that's more of what it is instead of us playing down to the level of our competitions that we do have a target on our backs. I think that that yeah. could maybe be a possibility where we're getting the best out of everybody. But at the end of the day, that's who that's what you want to be playing against. If you're going to yeah. be successful, you want to be playing at everybody when they're at their best. No, absolutely. I think the one team that we could argue we didn't get at their best was maybe USC. Uh-huh. But I, I think it's pretty clear that, you know, we look at TCU, they gave us – a really good game. And as was expected, um, you look at Nebraska, they're, they're just a bad football team, but I think they tried their hearts out. Good for you, Nebraska, um, Colorado state, that's their super bowl. And I think we actually broke Colorado state. Yeah. Um, cause they have not played quality football since, uh, Oregon. I mean, that was just outclass outmatched and they definitely gave us their best because Dan Lanning has a tiny penis. Um, USC, I, I think they they maybe didn't go pedal to the metal. It, it kind of seemed like Caleb Williams was almost lackadaisical at times out there. Maybe our defense was actually causing him issues. And maybe he did get a little bit rattled after throwing his first interception of the year. So who knows? And ASU, I, I think they're sneakily better than I gave them credit for. Um, they gave SC a game the week before. And... You know, Fresno State, who who did shut them out, is actually a pretty solid football team. So they probably brought their best um, for a decimated roster. So I would expect Stanford to bring their best this week. And it doesn't get easier for the bus after that. But, you know, I, I think we're – I'm confident in saying that we're going to go into the bye at, you know, five and two. Yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely agree with you. I This one, I, when we did our season preview, just because I listened back because we had wanted to talk about those during this episode, we kind of just skipped over this one a little bit. We, we called it a yeah. win and then kind of moved on to the rest of the schedule. So I, yeah, I, I do think that we win this one, but that 11 and a half, man, 
Shalom Sharp, let us know what you think, but I'm staying away from that shit. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm not gonna touch that one. I'll I'll throw Buffs money line into a parlay, like an aggressive parlay, just because. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I I don't think I'm gonna touch that line straight up. Um it, it's just not worth it. And I think even then the eleven and a half was going off at like minus one fifteen, depending on your book. So yeah. it, it's it's something I would just steer clear of. Um I think Shador is going to get back on track this week because Stanford's defensive backs aren't aren't up to the talent level of our receivers. So that should bode well for us. And who knows? I, I really do wonder who's going to be the breakout player this week. Maybe it's a reemergence of Mikey Harrison, who's been incredibly consistent for us. And get that man a scholarship already. Put Mike yeah, on for real. He's earned it. Like is he is he a junior? Uh, I think so. Let me so he check. so he so he could get on scholarship, save his parents some money or himself some money if he's the if he's the one that's paying for it uh, for yeah. one more year. And uh, I mean, he just seems like a great kid. Like you know, I watched a, a interview that Romy Bean did with him, and he just seems like such a down to earth kid and someone that you want to root for, and just puts his head down and works. And I know Coach Prime loves him because Coach Prime loves that you know, dog mentality of, I don't care if I'm a walk on, I'm going to go out and get mine. Yeah. And that's yeah. all that kid has done all freaking year. He is a junior uh, from San Francisco, California. So he's got, he can, you know, put him on scholarship for his senior year. Yeah. But let's or let's let it, it ride. Now. So at least he has that. So he, at least he gets us a year and a half. <laughs> yeah. Give him that extra semester. Some of us wish we had taken an extra semester. So let him, let him have a little more time. I did. Yeah. You, uh, you took a half victory lap. I was jealous. <laughs> I should have done uh, that. Little uh, little bonus game here that we kind of wanted to talk about and preview a little bit is uh, is regionally we have a very fun matchup coming up where the our our favorite uh, Air Force Falcons are taking on the Wyoming Cowboys. Um, both teams having incredible seasons. Uh, the Wyoming Cowboys are have a five and one overall record, two and zero in the Mountain West, and the only team that they lost to was Texas, who uh, after their loss last week uh, is sitting at number nine. Uh, sorry, Shalom Sharp. I don't know if, if Texas is going to get back into that top four there. They're um, not back. They're, they're the they're a little back. Uh, yeah. To Shalom Sharp's credit, uh, and then the Air Force Falcons are sitting at five and zero. Oh, um, obviously, <laughs> pounding the ball. <laughs> I just every single time I see the stats for for Air Force, it just I know I know that they run the option, but it's still in my mind. I like can't comprehend the amount of rushing yards that they have per game. That's um, absurd. Yeah. Like when they, like they, they got almost 300 yards just on the ground when they beat the Aztecs two weeks ago. Um, but yeah, <laughs> what do you, what do you think? Uh, what do you think of this Wyoming air force game? I mean, I think it's going to be a super fun one uh, scheduled for, um, for uh, 5 PM on Saturday uh, at Falcon field. Yeah, Falcon I think Stadium, um, excuse Falcon me. Stadium. I, I think this is the game of the year for the Mountain West Conference. And yeah. what's really cool is it's it's super regional for us. Um, obviously, with you know the cadets down right in the springs, and you know, you've got the pokes up in Wyoming, up in Laramie. It's gonna be a hell of a game. I do think Air Force comes out on top. Um, that's not because Wyoming is a slouch. I mean, they took they took it to Texas. Let's not be Let's not be confused here. They gave Texas a game, arguably yeah. the best game Texas had played 
up until they had to play the Red River this past week. Um, Wyoming's got a really nasty receiver named uh, Andrew Peasley. He that's the has, quarterback. Or that's the quarterback. He's got yeah. 758 yards passing. Pretty solid right there, 69 of 117. But he takes care of the ball. Nine touchdowns, two interceptions. That's a hell of a ratio right there. Yeah. Um, also a threat on the ground, 155 rushing yards on only 38 carries. So yeah. he's averaging 26 yards a carry damn near. Um, he's a beast. It, it's Wyoming's got some players. Um, you know, Harrison Wiley, they're running back 75 carries, 540 yards. Doesn't sniff Air Force because no mm. one ever will. But Wyatt Wheeland at receiver, 234 receiving yards, um, three touchdowns on the year. That's going to be a name to watch. They they have a decent squad up there, and they're coached really, really solid by Craig Bull. They're a really sound uh, program up there. I, I like Air Force in this game, and I actually like Wyoming to cover um, just because well, the line is that's what I was just... 10 and a half. Ah. It's a 10 and ah. a half. It's gonna be close. Um, I could, <laughs> I could see Air Force covering. Maybe, I I don't know. I'm gonna stick away from a covering on this one. They also are the heavy favorites um, on the money line. So the Falcons are going off at minus four ten. Uh, Cowboys are plus three twenty on the money line. If you guys really want to get risky, you can throw a bet on the Cowboys. But I I think the Air Force is gonna win this game. But this is not the last you're going to hear the Wyoming Cowboys. I think they're going to probably be the second or third best team in the Mountain West this year. They did just upset Fresno State. Um, huge win. Huge yeah. win for the Pokes. I'm Fresno uh, State was ranked 23rd at yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, so great win for the Cowboys. They obviously beat um, – was it Baylor or Texas Tech? They beat one of them. Uh, tech. And Tech. So they beat Texas Tech earlier this year. They've been handling business against the teams they should handle business against. And like D-Train said, their only loss was the Texas Longhorns, who up until this past week were in the college football playoff conversation. Yeah. So it, it's going to be a great game. I will definitely be tuning in because this is Saturday at 7 p.m. Eastern time, so 5 o'clock kick uh, for those of us here in Denver. Um, it's going to be fun, man. It's yeah. going to be fun to watch. This is just good, hard-nosed football from both teams. Yeah. And I mean, I got two I, coaches that won't give in. Mm-hmm. I think since the Buffs are playing on Friday, I mean, this is the game I'm most looking forward to on Saturday. I mean, there's a ton of 100%. fun college football games, but like for me – uh regionally like this is this game this game is gonna matter at at the at when they're trying to figure out particularly for air force i mean if they if they go in and they beat wyoming i can see air force being ranked for heading into week eight i i honestly think either winner of this game should be ranked i yeah. believe both teams were getting votes already um, which is kind of cool. I mean, yeah, that means you have three teams in the region getting votes with, you know, Air Force, Wyoming, and then Colorado. Colorado still got one vote. Um, so who knows? It's, it's going to be a great game, man. I'm I'm so excited to watch that. Yeah. And, yeah. and good for both programs. Like there's absolutely zero animosity from the buffs towards either of these programs, except I never want to fucking play Air Force again because of their <laughs> system that they run. And it's so hard to defend it, and it's just a they, nightmare to play against. They threw the ball seven times when they played San Diego State. That's big numbers for Air Force. And still won 42 to 10. Maybe they were just practicing. 
their defense is so good. It's disgusting. That's that's why that's why that ten and a half. Ugh, I don't love it. But what I'll also say is, uh, if you're looking to maybe instead of taking um, an over under sort of, or instead of taking somebody to cover a spread, the the line for the over uh, last I looked was only was it forty and a half for this yes, game? Yes, yes, forty and a half. Take that. I over. like that. I like that to hit. Take I like that, that over. over a lot. Yeah. God. So you know what's funny is Air Force has had 19 passing attempts this year. Yes. They've completed 14 of those for 410 yards. It's because they nobody expects them to actually throw it. And then when they <laughs> do, somebody's wide the fuck open. <laughs> they are averaging 21.6 yards a pass. That's, That's absurd. Insane. That's they've also only insane. given up three sacks on the year. Unbelievable job. And then their rushing stats, like you mentioned, is just fucking laughable. I mean, yeah. their fullback has 400 yards on the season. Uh, their quarterback, 362. Um, their lead running back is 278. Their next running back, 242. And their third string running back, 156. Ish. Uh, yeah, here it is. So uh, Wyoming received 42 votes and Air Force received 41 votes to be in the top 25. So they... They're on the, the brink. The nation says both of these teams are on the brink. So I think you're absolutely right. I think that if whoever comes out on top of this game will be in the top 25. As they should, man. Rank oh, yeah. Air Force, you cowards. I'm going to continue <laughs> to fucking say that because they deserve it. They yeah. absolutely deserve it. And their defense is just so disgusting. I mean, I mean, like, how in the heck do you have two teams in Notre Dame and LSU that have two losses? And yet an undefeated Air Force Academy Falcons roster? Right. That can't get ranked? Are you serious? Right. Like, it doesn't rank make, them. Doesn't make rank any sense them. to me. And like, I can't but, wait for later this year. I did say in our in our Falcons preview that Air Force is going to have to go undefeated to make a New Year's Six Bowl. There's Which they're there, trending. There's a bias out there that the military schools aren't good football programs. Air That's Force, wrong. Air Force should have started this season ranked, dude. Air Force is and has been consistently a very good college football program. And we keep talking about their defense. They're giving up 224 yards a game only. Total. That's just, oh my God. And, and also, Good for Air Force, man. my kind of football, man, control the clock. Control the clock. And they have 36 minutes time of possession for their average this year. Yeah. That's insane. I mean, to relate it, the Buffs are, are letting up 478 yards a game. We're letting up double, over double. Insane. Absolutely it, insane. It's fun to watch, man. I'm I'm excited to watch this game. Go go go, go both, both teams. Go both. Yeah. Go that's both. Teams. <laughs> go both. <laughs> I'm not gonna pick. I'm not gonna pick. Go both. <laughs> go both. I, I like both of these teams. I like both of these coaches. I, I whoever wins, I'm gonna be happy, and whoever loses, I'm gonna be sad. So yeah, no, it's gonna be and a fun one either way. They are both going to shit kick little brother later this year, which is gonna be awesome yeah yes, I, it I can't is. wait yes but, it is 
A um, uh, couple of other good games on the slate this week. Uh, if you are looking for a call, just a quick rundown, uh, good games yeah. that I think are going to be on. Um, UW is playing Oregon. So the number seven and number eight ranked teams are playing each other. Um, Great game. Uh, SC versus Notre Dame is always huge. Um, Great game. I hope. And Notre Dame looking to bounce back after losing yeah. Louisville last week. Yes, 100%. Uh, out for vengeance for sure. Uh, Oregon State versus UCLA, both top 20 programs right now. Um, and then LSU-Auburn uh, is always fun. Auburn isn't ranked this season. They're kind of ass. But Auburn always gives their absolute best against lsu um, there's a lot of, lot of hate in that team. Um, but yeah, I would say those are probably, oh, and North Carolina versus the U, uh, the university uh, is Miami, Florida. Yeah. After Mario Cristobal's legendary fuck up. Oh yeah. <laughs> Just take the knee, man. Dude. Take the knee. We didn't talk about this. No, we didn't talk about this. So I had, uh, when Batemo was on, on our previous podcast, I had written up an entire thing about, um, being aggressive versus playing smart football. And Mm -hmm. there are, there are a few examples of coaches being, of being aggressive and it costing them the entire football game. That. There's been worse, I will say. Running the ball yeah, to try to get Mario that first. Mario <laughs> right, That's dead, the but, second time he's done it. Well, when was the other time? Uh, when he was coaching at Oregon, he was up against Stanford when Stanford was ranked number seven. Same shit happened. He ran the ball when he could have just taken the knee. Running back fumbled. Stanford went down the field and scored to win. Wow. It is twice in his career that he has done this as a head coach. And yeah. that's, that's the issue. And this was like, and the, like this U team may, it, it's probably the best they've been in 10 years, at least I would say. Um, so it like, I would easily say they would be in the top 10 if they had won that game last week. Oh, they'd be top 15 without a doubt and knocking on the door easily with the top for yeah. the top 10. And now they're now they're on the cusp of not even being ranked at all. Um, Good fucking. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah, going up against number twelve, Drake Drake May, and number twelve, North Carolina. Um, but yeah, so uh, any other things that you'd like to add in here before we wrap up the pod? Um, yeah, just a couple of quick hitters here. Um, so Pac twelve just had uh, their media days for both men's and women's basketball. Um, going to be a great year for both programs. The uh, women's team does open in Las Vegas against the defending national champion, LSU Tigers. Amazing. Um, great test to start the season. Going to be nationally broadcast. Um, probably going to be a loss just because LSU is disgustingly good on the women's side, but uh, the women's buff have a great team. Obviously they made the sweet 16 last year with uh, head coach J.R. Payne. They're returning a lot of great players they were voted fourth in the Pac-12, which the Pac-12 is the strongest women's basketball conference by far and away. It's oh, yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, then on the men's side, uh, Tad Boyle brought in the number one overall recruit in the country and Cody Williams. Unbelievable signing for him. Um, a couple of other good four-star players that are it going helps. to contribute this year. It helps year. when you're the best basketball school kind of close to home. Yeah, that it doesn't hurt. I mean, he, he the kids Could've from Arizona? 
the kid's from Arizona. And oh, I thought it was Wyoming. I thought he was from Wyoming. No, that was last year, um, the big that we brought in. This oh. year, we brought in Cody, and he is from Arizona, had an offer from U of A, and still came to Colorado to play for Tad Boyle. So awesome year for Boyle Ball. They were projected, somehow they were projected fifth in the Pac-12. I don't get it. Um, it went Arizona, UCLA, US, or Arizona, USC, UCLA, Oregon, or maybe I have the LA schools flip there. And then Colorado, I think we are honestly better than Oregon and UCLA this year. I think those two are getting in pretty much on their legacy of recent history. UCLA, um, definitely. Yeah, UCLA, they lost a lot of pieces. And then Oregon, I mean, who knows what's going to happen with them. But uh, Boyle's got a great squad this year. I'm really excited to watch them, whether that's KJ Simpson and Tristan De Silva, both of which were voted first team All-Pac-12 in the preseason. Um as well as Cody Williams, that stud freshman, getting a nod for honorable mention. We got them coming back and coming in. We brought in a TCU transfer in Eddie Lampkin. He's big, um, kind of like Evan Beatty size, but a little bit different skill set. He's an exciting piece. And then another freshman to watch is going to be a Sane Diop. He's from Colorado. He had some high major offers, high four-star. And, dude, he's... He's a player. He's going to be he's really be kind good of our, for this kind of, team. Kind of our sixth man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm projecting him. I, I would expect him to come off the bench this year and get some good bench minutes. Um, but it's going to be a fun year of basketball, man. And I, I love college basketball. I like college basketball way more than the NBA. I love watching college hoops. And we finally – Boyle has been the picture of consistency. Yeah. Which – I, I know Ethan started is in off, fire boil started camp. off super hot, <laughs> amazingly hot. And then it's just been, you know, 21 season after 21 season. I know Ethan is in the fire tad boil camp for some godforsaken reason. My dad is in that camp for some godforsaken reason. Oh, Let's remember who we Ethan are. And Jeff, dude, that's fair. They're, they're assholes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. I love them both desperately, but they both got hole in ones in the last year. So fuck them. Um, but Boyle, we're not a blue blood of college basketball. And what Tad Boyle has done to elevate the collegiate basketball game in the state of Colorado should never be underappreciated. And also, he's a Greeley guy, so we kind of got to root for him. Yeah. But definitely support him, support J.R. Payne and our, and our women's team. Um, if you're just a Coach Prime fan, that's fine. His daughter plays on the women's team, so there's a reason for you to root for him. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but just wanted to get that out there and a quick shout out to both programs who are going to be tipping off their season here very, very soon. Yeah. First game, October 28th for the men's basketball team. Um, yeah. And we'll see how our lady buffs lined up against Angel Reese and the rest of that LSU Tigers. I cool. mean, that's a tall task. Yes, it's very Angel is so good. She's so She's good so at good. basketball. Yeah. For our listeners that don't know, I, I started my career working in sports with the women's basketball team at CU on Linda Lappy's staff. So, if anyone ever wants to talk women's hoops, I am here for it. I love the women's game. It's very, it's a fundamental basketball. Like how D-Train loves defensive football and hard-nosed football. I love a good fundamental basketball program, which is probably why I love Coach Boyle and the women's game so much. But I am here to talk women's hoops, so feel free to hit us in the comments on that. Yeah, 
Absolutely. Well, right on, you guys. Well, thank you so much for giving us another listen on Out of Office Bros. We'll be out of office again sometime soon. For immediate assistance, please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Spotify, and anywhere that you get your podcasts. Please be sure to like, comment, subscribe, and tell your friends. We'd love to hear from you and them. Best Out of Office Bros. Scobuffs, boycott opening day. <laughs>